My name is Mitch Album, and welcome to Tuesday People, our podcast inspired by the book Tuesdays with Maury and the time I spent with my old college professor, Maury Schwartz, while he was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease. I got a chance to take one last class with him, a class in the meaning of life before he died, and those lessons have reverberated with me and for an awful lot of people around the world who have shared that book. And it is 25 years now since those Tuesdays came to an end. In fact, I wrote a, a syndicated column about this past week because November 4th was the anniversary of Maury's passing away 25 years ago this year. Wow. With all the election and everything going on, uh, there didn't seem to have a moment to be able to reflect on it. It just was, no. and it's a, it's a little bit of what we're going to talk about in today's podcast, but there's so much noise going on in the world today about politics, about COVID, uh, about people being critical of other people that the chance to even get in a mention about, oh, by the way, this is the 25th anniversary of Maury's passing, there wasn't even oxygen for me to do it. It was November 4th. That was the day after the election. And right. we all know what the day after the election meant. Nobody knew who yes. won. Everybody was counting. Everybody was going crazy. And that's all anybody talked about. And frequently, I find myself in that position these days of having subjects that I think are important to talk about, about life and about people, only to basically have to pull back because nobody's interested at that moment. Everybody is consumed consumed by what the story of the day is. Just consumed. Right. Have you not felt that as we're talking? Of course, Lisa Goitz is alongside here. I should introduce you for those who are listening to us for the first time. Lisa, my friend and producer of this podcast, she would get to listen to the podcast for the former being my friend, but she is actually on the podcast because she produces the podcast. <laughs> so. uh, I don't want, every, I I don't want all my friends anyway. out there to think, well, wait a minute, I'm his friend too. I should be on the podcast. Uh, you got you to produce it as well. And Lisa does a great yeah. job of that. But have you had that where you've had something that you wanted to share with people, maybe just people in your circle? Maybe it was a little broader circle if you do social media, but you just felt intimidated because it wasn't of the moment. It wasn't the important news story of the moment. And even though you felt it was important, you had to wait until something passed? Yes. Well, I'm on social media a lot, so I feel that all the time. Hmm. Uh, you know, something is, okay, the other day I saw this really cute coat online, and I wanted to post it, but I posted it saying, I really want to buy this, but I have absolutely zero reason to buy it because I'm not even leaving right. my house. Right. Um, then I thought, is this too trivial to post right now with all the other crap that's going on in the world? Should I just yeah. hold this for another day? Well, in that case, uh, you might have been right, actually. <laughs> I'm, not talk I'm not really talking is it about... insensitive? Yeah. Uh, I'm not talking about I mean, those kinds know. of things. Yeah, I'm not talking but about, I, well, I need there... to go buy something. But... No, but I'm saying just to post, to think about posting something, whereas do I always have to be posting about the, the election? Right. Must I be talking about only this right now. Well, I can't right. talk about only this right, right now, frankly. Well, my, the my head's need, going to explode. Yeah, The need <laughs> to feel relevant and the need to feel on the news is becoming a habit-forming thing that I think is, is quite dangerous, quite dangerous to the future of our society. 
Maury and I, uh, when I was visiting with him on his Tuesdays, we would talk a lot about how people prioritized the types of things that they spoke about, the types of things mm. that they spent time conversing about. And I thought he made a really good point about where our priorities are in this country. And, of course, for him, dying in a lounge chair in his office every Tuesday, counting down his breaths, and literally this was an exercise that Moore used to do. He used to um, inhale and then exhale while counting. So mm-hmm. like this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, until there was no breath left in his lungs. Well, this became an exercise that we started to do every Tuesday. And he would say, let's see what I have left in the tank, so to speak. And he would do that exercise, which I found at that age, I was only in my 30s, and I found it to be a little horrifying, really. But Maury said, no, this is good. You know, you should know what's what I have left, you know, what my time is I have left. And I watched him go from 18, I think was his high, to 16, to 14, to 11, to 9, to 7, to like 5, and then we mm. stopped doing it. And so when he was literally counting down his breaths, he didn't concern himself so much with, am I speaking of things of the moment? In fact, I remember a great uh, uh, scene, I may have mentioned this in a previous podcast, during 1995, 25 years ago, the biggest story in the country, if not the world, seemed to be the O.J. Simpson trial. The, mm. uh, the, tr- the v- trial itself was going on, and every day, if you recall, it was televised by the cable news networks, which were just sort of coming into their own then, and it kind of put them on the map, a lot of them, because it right. gave them something to show all day long. But lest we think that you know election controversy 24 hours a day is somehow the first big story that stays on the news all day long, no, no, 25 years ago, we were doing the same thing with the O.J. Simpson trial. Maury didn't follow one moment of the O.J. Simpson trial. And why would he? If you were counting your breaths down to find out how much time you had left in your life, would you concern yourself about whether or not a computer voting error took place in northern Michigan? Would you concern no. yourself over whether <laughs> whether or not a, a, a uh, circuit court of appeals was going to allow certain write-in ballots to be counted or not? Would that really concern you if you were counting your breaths down to the days of your life? And the answer is no. no. So then why does it consume you now? That was the question to be asked. And Maury said this in a, in a very interesting way. We were talking about, and this is kind of the theme of today's program, if you want to be soft, if you want to be sensitive, if you want to be of the heart, as opposed to tough, cynical, and of the moment, in this society, you are mocked. You are not taken seriously. You're dismissed as a tree hugger or a navel gazer. You are just not as important and on the scene and of the moment as people who are tweeting about the latest political development, 
the latest entertainment development. Listen to what Maury said about what we're missing when we have an attitude like that. What I'm saying is you don't know what you're missing unless you left yourself. Let yourself be open to those hard things. But in this culture, that's sissy, that's, you know, unmanly, that's soft, that's soft-headed, and all the demeaning terms to sort of dismiss it. And it's just too bad because all these hard-headed people and the efficient people and the people who know that you have to be, quote, realistic, they're driving us to, I think, a place of destruction. I feel that the society is going to become a second-rate, second-world society. Now, that was said in 1995. But think, wow. about, think about that. All these people in this culture, it's sissy, it's unmanly, it's soft, it's soft-headed, all the demeaning terms to sort of dismiss it, and it's too bad because all these hard-headed people, these efficient people, are the ones who know you have to be, quote, realistic. They're driving us to, I think, a place of destruction. Now, who does that sound yeah. like we're describing? Does it not sound like we're describing our media pundits, our Twitter leaders, our commentators who have to be on, you've got to be realistic and we've got to talk about this election and the moment and the social issue because it's never happened before. But of course, it's all happened before. It's all happened before. Presidential elections have happened before. Unrest in the streets have happened before. Racial tensions have happened before. They're going to continue to happen. Even a pandemic has happened before. But we act as if, if you are not current of the moment, tough, hard-edged, ready to comment, ready to jump out there, you are somehow at the back of the parade. You're sweeping up behind the elephants, but you're not <laughs> in front. And I'm here to tell you, folks, that Maury taught me that that is false. That is really kind of a crock of horse you-know-what. It yeah. is wrong, right, uh, because when we are criticized for being sensitive things, to talking about things, I'll, 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 I'll give you an example. Now, this was not a criticism, but I just finished earlier today. I did a podcast with uh, Katie Couric, who's a friend of mine. I've known her for a long time since she did the Today Show. And she asked me if I would come on a podcast and talk about a piece that I had written about the election prior to the election, the upthrust of which was, it doesn't matter what we do on Tuesday if we don't change our ways on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and all the days that come. It's not as if this election is going to be some kind of climactic point and then everybody's going to go back to being nice with one another, no matter who wins. Well, I think I've been proven correct. You can see where we are now several weeks past it, and nobody is getting along any better and everybody is entrenched in their position, and everybody's still arguing. We were, no, we were no different on Wednesday than we were on Tuesday or Thursday or Friday or any of those other days. So Katie and I were talking, and she was asking me about, you know, the president himself and the election himself. And, you know, I, I, I felt for the moment like, well, I'm going to disappoint her because I'm not really going to get into 
who should be president or who was a bad president, or who make a good president or anything. I, first of all, that's not my expertise. And secondly, I don't know what that adds. So I, I said to her uh, things along the lines of, you know, what Maury taught me when we were sitting together and I would talk about international affairs. He didn't talk about politics. He didn't talk about who was going to win an election or anything like that. He talked about people who were suffering in the world. And we watched a, a news report from Bosnia when there was a lot of military action going on back then. Right. And he started to cry. And he cried for these people that he'd never met in a country that he'd never been to, probably couldn't even locate on a map. And I said, why are you crying? And he said, because those people are suffering. And I said, yeah, but you don't know them. They're not in your country even. You've never been there. And he said, Mitch, when you realize you're going to die, everyone's suffering is your suffering. You identify, you feel for people who are suffering because you know what it feels like inside. Mm -hmm. We are more alike than different. Now, I told that to Katie, and, and I said, that's my take of, of all of this, and that is probably going to be viewed by people who listen to that podcast as soft, sissy, or maybe they'll just click it off and say, well, I'm not learning anything about what, what position. I want to know what position he has. What take does he have? Which side is he on? Well, the fault is in the judges, not the plaintiffs, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. It's all this judging about what you should or shouldn't be, how hard-edged you should or shouldn't be. And don't get me wrong, Katie was fine with it. She was actually seemed pleased that I was giving her some answers that weren't typical about, about well, politics. That, yeah, well, it's thoughtful. And I think people do need that right now. But go ahead. Well, maybe they need it or don't, but that's what, what my answer was. And I'm willing yeah. to have people say, oh, what a softy, oh, what a, uh, yeah, okay, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we all, kumbaya. And, and you think of all the phrases that we have. We have so many phrases for making fun of people who are sensitive. As I said, tree huggers, navel gazers, kumbaya singers. Uh, you can go on and on. Uh, and the fact is, we probably shouldn't be making fun of people who are sensitive to other people or who are concerned with humanity and things like that. They're probably a little bit more enlightened than we are. But our society doesn't make us feel like that, does it? Our society makes it feel like you've got to read this latest tweet. You've got to read this latest comment. You've got to hear what Bill Maher said on, on uh, uh, whatever his show is called now. You've got to hear what Stephen Colbert said last night. You've got to hear, you've got to hear, you've got to hear, you've got to hear. But imagine if you were actually in your final days, final weeks, final months, would you really care what some late-night host said about some political situation? Would you care about who this actor or this actress was going out with or was rumored to be involved with or what this rap lyric got everybody all upset about? You really wouldn't. You really wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And so when Maury said to me multiple times, learn how to die and you learn how to live, what he meant was these types of priorities— if you yeah. can understand that being sensitive, matters of the heart, thinking about things with your heart, thinking about what's right and what's good for other people and, and the feelings of other people, you should not be made to feel ashamed of that. 
You should not be made to feel weak or light or insignificant or foo-foo or, oh, heaven forbid that word, sentimental, which somehow over the years has become, at least in places like the New York Times and hard-edged East Coast viewpoints, a bad word. I always thought sentimental was nice. Remember the song, Going to Take a Sentimental Journey? (laughs) I'm getting sentimental over you. Uh, I'm dating myself on songs, but these are... These are beautiful songs. And what's sentimental is when someone opens their wallet and says, look, look at my grandchildren or look at my, you know, beautiful daughter or look at my my wife. She's not with me anymore, but, you know, I miss her. That's sentimental. Now, are you are we really are we really have we really consider ourselves evolved by making fun of that? But isn't that what life is about? To me, it is. All of the me, sentimental things who, in life. Who opens That's up their life. wallet and says, hey, look at this tweet that was sent on uh, May 11th of 2020 about the election. Isn't this classic? Of course not. And yet we value those things so much over the alternative. Now, in the field of media, which I've talked about here a little bit, one of the problems, and I talked about this with Katie on her, on her podcast, I said, one of the problems is we've gotten into the business of, in the journalism business, which I started in, uh, you know, after I was a musician, then I got into uh, journalism and I wrote for many years for a newspaper, a sports column, and then general column. I still contribute that to the paper in a part-time capacity now. But we got into journalism to find the truth and report the truth. Not to see things a certain way and just start telling everybody, you should be thinking like us. Somewhere along the line, it all got very convoluted. And the idea of caring about your audience, the whole audience, not just the people who agreed with you, has been lost. Particularly like in cable news now, it's just super serving your customer. It's like an Italian food restaurant. Why would we serve Greek food here? You know, it's going into an Italian restaurant and saying, do you have a, a Greek salad? Why would we serve a Greek salad? We're an Italian restaurant. Well, it's like that now when you go to a newscast. Can I get some perspective on this? Why would we give you perspective on that? That's not what we're here for. We're the Italian restaurant. You're going to get this. You want that? Go over to another channel. And so journalists have are coming up now in this system of thinking that being a uh, advocate is being a journalist, which was not the way it was taught when I was coming up. We were there to report. Whatever we found, we reported. The truth in and of itself was the, was the, the, the goal and the means. And if the truth revealed that one side was right or the other was, despite the fact that it might not have been popular, well, you were doing your job by revealing that. Now it's like, let's just go get stories that serve our point of view. And consequently, we stopped caring about the audience. We stop caring about the community. In a larger sense, we stop caring about our society. And I don't think any job, including being a journalist, should somehow disqualify you from your humanity. I think you still need to ultimately remember that this is just a job, but your humanity is, is, is what you were born into and what you'll die with. Maury said this, to me, actually, we were talking about journalists, and he spoke about these kinds of priorities. 
if you're a journalist as you are, then you can act in terms of your own individual interest and say, I don't give up shit about the others. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get the best I can. Or you can say, for best I can for myself. Or you can say, I'm a member of a community and I want to be a responsible member. So I want to see what is the best thing for all of us. So that perception and that point of view can be carried on any place you are, whoever you are. So what you hear there is Maury saying that even in a field like journalism, where there's a sense of like, I have a mission, your ultimate mission should still be that I'm a member of the community. I want to be a responsible member of the community, not, well, I want to be above the community. I want to tell the community what they should think or what they should say. This, however, goes against the grain. And I can tell you that I have had my share of being poked fun at or criticisms when I would write a column for the newspaper that was about emotions or the heart or, you know, a, a sentimental type of story. And you could hear the cackling out there about, you know, yeah, 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 same old soft sentimental crap, you know, where's the, where's the hard edge journalism? Where's the, you know, why does they write about why the Lions should do, should fire their coaches or something? You know, it's, I hear it, but okay, I accept that, that some people are going to feel that way, no matter what you do. I remember when um, uh, there was a book critic once who apparently didn't like or care for my work, my novels. And criticized me by saying, he's the king of hope. <laughs> and I heard that and I said, you may mean that in a critical way, but I'll take that. If that, Can we, can we use right. that? I, I will be proud to be the king of hope. But it just goes to show you how things like hope, and things like sensitivity, things like love and, and compassion for your fellow human being, they're just made fun of. They're soft. And... We have to get past this fear of being considered soft. We have to get to a point where we can value sensitivity, not just in our beloved aunts, our nuns, you know, our, our, our aged rabbis, uh, you know, where you expect to find it, but in everybody. The world would be a much better place and our country a better country if we valued people who were sensitive to other people and people who had a heart for other people and, and people who worried about the emotions and the feelings of other people. And I don't mean in a, a cor politically correct way. I mean in, 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 in their daily actions and their daily interactions with one another. But most of that gets made fun of. Most of that is, is, is just dismissed as hey, it's a mean world out there and you better toughen up. Now, you're a sensitive person, Lisa, and I've, I've seen you gush and cry. Very. And, 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 I at, cry at, a lot. At, yeah, at the drop of a, of a, of a, of a photograph. Have you ever <laughs> felt that, that people have looked down on that trait, you know, uh, or dismissed you privately, maybe rolled an eye uh, when they thought you weren't looking? Well, I once got told that it was not professional, to be that way. Hmm. And, uh, and I said, well, you know what? So be it. 
you know, because I am who I am. And I think that there is room for sensitivity in business everywhere. I don't think that it's a bad thing, you know, when you show somebody your heart. I just, I wear it everywhere. My heart's mm -hmm. here, my heart's here, my heart's here. You know, I'm very... Uh, <laughs> Let the record show you were pointing to your head, your shoulder, <laughs> yes. your hands. Just here, Let here, here in a show. podcast could be anywhere. <laughs> I know. I, my heart is everywhere. So I, I, this is how I am. So if people don't like me to be that way, then, then they can just go away. Yeah. I don't know. That's not nice. But uh, I understand the feeling because we shouldn't be dismissed for caring. And that's basically what it is, you know. Now, yeah. what's funny is, what's funny is, Maury was celebrated for these things. When I wrote about them in Tuesdays with Maury, he was embraced. Oh, what a wonderful teacher Maury was. Mm -hmm. The fact that he cared about people even as he was dying. The fact that he worried about other people even as he was dying. The fact that he was sensitive to you as a student even as he was dying. And he was embraced for that. But the only reason he was embraced for that, or the main reason, was because he was dying. Right. And Maury would be the first person to say, why would you celebrate me for being that way because I'm dying? I was that way before I was dying. That was my question I was going to ask you. Was Maury always like always, that? Always. Always. Mm -hmm. the, the little secret of the people who knew Maury was that for all the fuss that Ted Koppel made over him and other people who had just come to know him during his dying days and say, wow, look at this guy with this unique perspective and this caring about people and he's warm and he's funny and he's wise and he's got a worldly perspective. I saw all of that when he was perfectly healthy and when he was bouncing into class with his yellow turtleneck on and, <laughs> and his, uh, you know, and eating egg salad sandwiches and, and uh, uh, you know, his flop of hair, uh, silver gray hair going over his collar. He was always that way. And so uh, it's only that people embraced him somehow because he was dying. Maury would be the first person to say, Again, learn how to die, learn how to live. The feelings that come to fore when you are dying, the feelings that come to fore when you are threatened. You know, I don't know if you've, I've never been in a situation where I thought I was dying, thank goodness. But I have been in situations, medical situations, where I was very scared. Surgeries where I didn't know how they were going to go. Perhaps you have, you have too, Lisa, not too long ago. Um, yeah. Did you not find that in the day or two before the surgery, what you concerned yourself with, you, you weren't watching the news, you weren't, you know, sending out tweets on, on somebody's comment on something. You were, you were kind of wanting to be with the people you loved, kind of wanting to let them know that you cared about them. And, you know, I remember saying to my wife, my, my wife multiple times, you know, thank you, you know, for thanks for doing this, or thanks for taking care. Little things that I might have forgotten to say thank you for when yeah. everything was fine. Stuff that she would do was... all the time, you know? Thanks for getting, thanks for, uh, you know, I don't know, doing the wash, I have clean clothes, or thanks for uh, grabbing something from the fridge for me to eat on the way to the hospital. You know, and I just felt it important to say thank you. 
it felt inside like I, I needed to do that. I don't know. Somehow it made me feel a little better about what I was about to go through. And I think it yeah. all comes from that same thing about, you know, when we realize that life is short and we realize it could be taken away from us, then we suddenly want to do everything right and show our appreciation for it and and, and, mm-hmm. and and say thank you and say I'm sorry and all these things that we don't do beforehand. Well, it should not take the threat of a of an illness or a surgery to get us into that mode. That mode is where we should be living. And Maury did live that way prior to his illness. So it just got bigger. Yeah. More amplified, but it was he was the same. But nobody made fun of him, and nobody looked at me during that time and said, oh, come on, Mitch. You know, you're starting to thank people for little things like that. You know, oh, come on, you're tearing up when you're telling somebody you love them. Come on, toughen up. Toughen up. You know, you're in the media world. You need to toughen up. Come on. You know, make some pithy W.C. Fields remark, you know, on your deathbed. Like, supposedly, his, his tombstone read, better here than Philadelphia. You know, which I don't know if that's true or not, but I heard that, you know, or that's what he wants. Like, go out with one of those kinds of things. And, you know, most people aren't like that. Most people find that there's there's a softness. They're like a donut. There's a softness inside that they're not even aware of that suddenly can be very sweet. And uh, if under the right circumstances can even be valued. But my point in this podcast is we don't need the right circumstances, meaning you're dying or you're sick or you're worried, to be kind, to be soft, to think of somebody else, to to be sensitive. You don't need to have the cover, the cover of that in order to allow you to be that way. That's where we're going awry as a society. You don't need cover to be kind or to be sensitive. That should be celebrated all the time. That should be a normal state of existence and not something that we're looked at in our industries, be they media or other any other industries, sales or business or you know, law that that, that are looked at as weaknesses because somehow, well, you know, you've got a soft spot. It's always like that in business, I think. I like to guide with heart, you know, and yep. uh, a lot of people aren't like that. And by the way, just to backtrack one little bit, before I went into my surgery, I cried for about three days prior. Every single time I'd talk to somebody, I'd be apologizing to them for things I may or may not have done in my past, and then I'd start crying. I cried while the guy was wheeling me down the hall to go into surgery, and I'm telling him, if something happens to me, tell my sister I love her. He said, lady, I don't even know your name. I don't even know who you are. Well, I was really sappy. I I thought that was the end, you know. Might have been um, the anesthesia. Well, I was under anesthesia four times in three and a half weeks. I had that four. Could, that can definitely do it. Yeah. So. Well, I think that's you know. who you are. Just coming to the fore and uh, under circumstances that made you, you know, feel like it was okay and almost needed to be that way. But and while yeah. I'm not advocating that you cry away every day of your life. Uh, but the thanking people part and all that and tell my sister I love her and all that, you don't need to be sick to or be threatened to have that come to the fore. And you shouldn't be made fun of. And nobody should. 
for being that way. And nobody in our media should be made fun of if they say, stop and say, you know, I want to think about the country here first. And, and you know, we are all of, 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 of one country. And what can I do to unify things instead of bringing it apart? Nobody should be picked apart by either side and saying, oh, you're useless. You know, you're not going to help us win and get out of the way. That's a silly way to go. As Maury said, listen to this little comment. The central issue is that we are now so befogged and mystified by what's been happening in this country that people can't see clearly what's in their best self-interest. Those words are 25 years old, and they are so true today. We are so befogged and mystified by what's been happening in this country that we can't even see what's in our own best interest. We honestly think that burrowing down deeper into the minutia of this election debate is in our own best interest. We honestly think that standing our ground and accusing the other side of all the worst things in the world, that's in our own self-best interest. We think that more social media and diving more, I, I mentioned this to Katie Couric, we, we act like if we just read another tweet, if we just read another article, if we just dive deeper into the issue, we're broadening ourselves. When in point of fact, we're thinning ourselves. We're making ourselves narrower and narrower as if going down a wormhole where you have to be really small because you're shutting out all the rest of the things in the world for the sake of deepening your involvement in that. And Sometimes what we're shutting out is the best part of us. And the best part of us is sensitive and is sentimental and is of the heart and is even soft. Because what is soft? Soft is, you know, means you can absorb a blow. Soft means you won't hurt somebody when you interact with them. Soft should not be seen as an evil word. Mm-hmm. And we need to get to the point where we stop associating soft with weakness because that in and of itself is a weakness to lump people into that category. So something to keep in mind as we go through the rest of our week and as we begin uh, 25 years plus a week since my old professor left us and uh, I find myself more nostalgic for him now than ever. Boy, I wish that I could just pay a visit and get in that car, drive to that house, get out, walk to the front door, open it, walk past the little Japanese maple tree, get in, walk down the hallway, go in and just see Maury sitting in his chair waiting for me. Uh, um, there's, yeah, confusing times make you yearn for your teachers. Yes. So we hope that this uh, little podcast and hearing Maury's voice has provided a little bit of that in its own podcasty way. WeTuesdayPeople.com is the website where you can find all the information about our program, our previous programs, our chats and conversations that you can get in on. And uh, we will look forward to having this conversation again with you in seven days. Until we do that, on behalf of Lisa Goich, my co-host, Mitch Album here, saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People.